Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. You turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we'll take the first 14 verses. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you that the Bible is a unified message authored by the Holy Spirit, 66 different books, 40 different authors, written over a time span of roughly 1,500 years, but it has exactly one message. It has one message. And that message is the light of the world. That message is the light that can transform any and every life. To prove that to you, while you hold your finger in John chapter 1, flip all the way to the front of your Bible, to Genesis chapter 1. Notice what it says. How does your Bible begin, church? In the beginning, God. Amen? Amen. Now turn back to John chapter 1. Holding that the very first words of Scripture are in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. Now turn to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, to chapter 1. I'm doing this for a reason for you. Verse 4. At the end of the church age, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Do you see it? In the beginning, God, the one who was and is and is to come. Now let's look at John chapter 1 together. In the beginning was the word. When was the word? The word was in the beginning. Amen? Not an afterthought. Wasn't just the product of the Holy Spirit and Mary getting together. And the word was with God. When was the word with God? In the beginning. Jesus, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 1 verse 4 is the one who was, the one who is, and oh, by the way, Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. Now notice who the word is. And the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. The word who is God, is also the creator of the universe. And without him was nothing that was made, made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John is the author of this particular gospel, but he's speaking of another John. You know him as John the Baptist, who prophetically Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 40, prepare the way of the Lord. Remember, the Bible is a unified message from God. In the beginning was God. 1,500 years later, that God is the one who was and is and is to come. 
God is speaking to you, church, about the primacy of the light of the world. He alone is Savior. He alone can save. Without him is no one saved. That's always been the plan. It's not an afterthought because man was evil. In the beginning, God, Adam and Eve would sin after in the beginning, God. They would need a savior after in the beginning, God. This man came to bear witness of the light. Who did John bear witness of? The light. Who is the light? He's the one who was in the beginning, God. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who was with God, who he himself was God. And by the way, if you can't see that there are two persons to the Godhead in this passage, then perhaps you ought to read it again. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Remember that. That all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That light is the true light, which gives light unto every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own. The Bible declares that Christ came to the Jew first and then the Gentile. He came to his own people, the ones who had the most revelation. The ones who had been told from the beginning they were chosen of God. Given a window into the heavens that no other people group on earth had actually received. He did not, they did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Who are those people? To those who believe on his name, church. Every tribe and tongue and nation, every people group, every race and ethnicity, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not exclusive of anyone, but it's only inclusive of those who will believe. No one is outside of the scope of the gospel, but you must believe it, you must receive it in order to be saved. There is no other way, there's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, it's a unified message. You know what's absent in this message? Any political voice. Any specific group of people. All who believe on the name of the Lord shall be saved. At the same time, all who do not believe on the name of the Lord are lost already because they have not received the light. Who were born not of blood, check this out, nor of the will of flesh, nor because your mommy and daddy are Christians, because your grandma and grandpa were missionaries, because you have a great family heritage in the church, because your family did marvelous work throughout generations of making sure that the church continued forward. There is no one who's saved because their parents were great believers. We are saved one at a time by the grace of God to those who believe. Not the will of man, but of God. And the word, check this out, who is clearly also the light, became flesh. So when was the word the word? In the beginning. In the beginning, he was also God. That God was also creator 
He is the answer to man's problem. It is that God who is the light that became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel means God with us. It's a unified message. Began in the beginning and it continues to this day. This is the Christmas message. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Whose real purpose is the star of Bethlehem? To shine light on the light of the world. To point the way to Jesus. To remind mankind that in that manger lay the one who was and is and is to come. The only answer to mankind's sin problem. Why? Because we dwelt in darkness. I think some people think that, you know, Christmas lights and light in general and all the things that, you know, maybe even you look at the stage and go, I don't know what that means. Let me tell you what it means. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That's what it means. I I realize that some people overdo the whole Christmas light thing. (laughs) This family actually went broke paying their electric bill. They no longer live at that house. It's not those lights. It's the light. Amen? The reason this is so important is we have a choice as the body of Christ as to what message we want to send the world that's getting that message. That's the message the world sends. The world says Christmas is about that. It's about Santa and nutcrackers. I was watching... This is one of my least favorite times of the year for a couple of reasons. Because you turn on the TV and all of a sudden you're a poor father if you don't give your children cars for Christmas. You know, if you didn't buy, you know, somebody a house for their birthday or their Christmas present or what, it just it's insane. We have lost our minds. We we have turned Christmas into that. But what is it really about? What was it that happened? What happened was, before there were stars, before there were galaxies, before there were planets, before there was a world called Earth, before there was Roman Palestine, before there was a young couple named Mary and Joseph, who were betrothed to be married, before there was a manger, before there were trees, before there was a babe named Jesus, there was the Word. That Word was the light of men. And he has always been the Word, and he has always been the light of men. But from Earth's perspective, that light came 2,000 years ago to dwell among us. To shine his light of love on this earth. To send a message to us that God actually loves us. To point out the darkness of sin and at the same time give us the hope of light. You see, the world doesn't have much hope right now. It seems like all we read about in the news is something to do with COVID, followed by something to do with someone being shot, followed by some kind of financial difficulty, followed by some type of world political difficulty, followed by something to do with pornography, followed by something to do with everybody in your neighborhood hates you. That's not the message of the light. The message of the light is all that believe in him will be saved. It's hope. It's hope for today and it's hope for the future, church. 
And the church needs to get back on the hopeful message of the light of the world. We've dabbled too long in in these other things. And they have proven themselves to be radically unfruitful for the gospel. I have talked to people recently who say they want nothing to do with Jesus because of the church. The church needs to get back to preaching the light of the world. That's our mission. Now we can do that through feeding homeless people. We can do that by providing benevolent support to people who need it. We can do that by being on the mission field. All these things are wonderful and all these things are good. We can be engaged in a lot of things, but it is the light of the world that saves men's souls. Hope is fundamental and necessary to every single human being. In fact, without hope, most people will despair even of life. I'm going to give you a couple of stories today during our time. A man named Hugo Grin, who happened to be ultimately a rabbi, was sent to Auschwitz as a little boy during the Nazis' reign of terror in the Second World War. In the midst of that concentration camp, in the midst of death, in the midst of horror, on the last winter that his family would be alive, Hugo's father gathered their family together. They were actually all still with them at that time into a small room and decided in spite of all of it, they would attempt to celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights. And Hugo, as a young child, watched in horror as his father took their final pad of butter pulled the string out of his garment, wrapped the butter around the string, and made a makeshift candle. And he pronounced the blessing that this candle is the light of the world. The little boy begged his father, what are you doing? It's our last of our food. How are we going to survive? His father looked at young Hugo and he said, We'll last a few more days without food, but we won't last without hope. Church, the world needs the hope of Jesus. It needs the hope that their sins can be forgiven. And their minds can be transformed. That their destiny can be changed. It doesn't need a new virtual reality video game. It doesn't need the metaverse. It needs the king of the universe. Amen. So Christmas really is about the reality of the light of the world. That's what it's about. Yes, it's about wise men, and yes, it's about a manger. And yes, it's about a long journey of a couple who come from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered. Yes, it's about sheep, and yes, it's about shepherds. Yes, it's about angels singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill upon whom God's favor rests. It's about all those things, but the central truth is Jesus is the light of the world. He's our only hope. All that ails this world, the solution is Jesus. There are three things that I want to point your attention to in this passage. First, notice that it is about the proclamation of the light itself. That's how this story begins. The word proclamation means to make an official announcement about something of great importance. That's what it means. This is the proclamation of the light. Here's God incarnate, 
in human flesh, born of Mary in a manger in Bethlehem, who would grow up to be a young boy, who would work in his father's carpenter shop, who would live but a scant 32 and a half years and be crucified on Calvary's cross because he is the light of the world. He didn't come to solve all the social ills. Hear me well. He did not come and never, ever did he or any of the apostles get involved in politics. Not one of them. They didn't try and change the Roman government. They didn't protest. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. That is the mission of the church still. That's what the church is for. There are plenty of people to get involved in politics. And in fact, if the Lord calls you in your private life to do so, praise God. But the church's mission is to proclaim the light. It's to proclaim the light, church. Why am I saying this? Because I think the light needs new batteries. I think the flashlight doesn't shine very bright because we've gotten involved in a whole lot of other things. And we're so busy sniping and shooting at each other and calling each other names and barking out political directives that we have forgotten that we are to be about the light of the world. I know that seems a little direct, but I aim to be direct. Christmas is about the light of the world. The mission of the church, light of the world. The only thing it can save, the light of the world. We're to proclaim the light. That's how John's gospel begins. In that sense, Christmas proclaims the light. That's what it does. That's really all it's about. I'm sure some of you have Christmas trees. Praise the Lord, Connie and I have a Christmas tree. It's a Jesus tree. If you look at it, it has all kinds of scripture all over it. It's bathed in it. I only say that because you can take all the things that go on in our world and you can use them to proclaim the light if you choose to do so. Or you can make it about something else. Imagine someone who's lived their entire life in darkness. Maybe it's someone who was born blind. They have no capacity to sense light. And all of a sudden, they're able to see. They're going to have to be instructed on what it's like to live in the light. Amen? They will have not ever seen anything. And that's the truth of humanity without Christ. They're born in darkness. David actually said, conceived in sin from my mother's womb. The world actually knows how to live in darkness. They do not know how to live in the light. They don't know what's going on when the light comes on. They need you to tell them. They need us to speak that word into their life. We want to reveal that light to people. That's what John the Baptist began to do when people were looking at him like, well, you know, is this about you or is this about somebody else? He says, no, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals of the one who's coming. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, also the light of the world. Jesus has over 240 names in Scripture for a reason. Sometimes when I read this passage, I think about our own proclamation. What are we proclaiming? What is it that we're about? What do people remember when you leave? You know, sometimes as I think of my own life, as I've lived it to this point, 
One of the things that bothers me is the number of times when I had an opportunity to proclaim Christ and I didn't. Those moments in my life where you're sitting at that family function and you don't say something about King Jesus. Church, I'm going to challenge you. John says here that he himself was not the light. He was simply a witness of the light. That's who we are. We are simply witnesses of the light. John actually focuses our attention away from himself and away from the apostle John who writes this letter and on to Jesus alone. The question is, are we doing that? Notice verse 9 says, There is a one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. The true light, the, the Greek word there, athelion, is, a, is an interesting word because it is the same as we would call actual or real or genuine. It says, if there are lots of other fake lights, but there's one true light. There's all kinds of other things that can light up people's existence. You can probably think of a few, can't you? Think money lights up some people's existence? Think power, fame, athletic prowess, sexual experience, maybe drugs, alcohol, lifestyle choices. There are all kinds of things that can bring a temporary light into people's lives. The question is, is that light going to last? If you know anything about standard physics, standard model of it, energy, which light is energy, can neither be created nor destroyed. Light simply is. Do you know how Genesis begins? And God said, let there be light, and light was. Jesus the one who was and is and is to come is the only light that matters. Everything else at least has the potential to be a distraction. Doesn't mean that having possessions is wrong. Doesn't mean that having fame or fortune is necessarily wrong. It means that if you are not in tune with the light of the world, then those things may themselves become a false light. Something that you can trust in, other than the real light. So let's be careful how we live our lives in the proclamation of the gospel. Another story also, Second World War, actually begins in the 1930s. Lutheran pastor, Dr. Martin Niemöller, actually was a decorated submarine commander for Nazi Germany, responsible for the sinking of all kinds of allied ships. He's most widely known for his poem, which he wrote in 1946, after the Second World War, called First They Came. And that poem, you can find it online. But one of the stanzas from it, First They Came, for the communist, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. There's a story behind this, and it comes from his experience with Adolf Hitler himself. As a decorated naval commander, Dr. Niemöller had been often awarded the Nazi, arm, Nazi military's highest prize. He'd received not one but two iron crosses. But he also held the same anti-Semitic views as Martin Luther, which were passed on to the church which effectively blamed the Jewish people for the death of Jesus. 
And the reason I'm saying this is the church became in league with Nazi Germany. Not all of it, but a very large chunk of it. Why? Because they failed to see that God himself had made a difference between the church and the government. Those two things got blended so closely together that the church, specifically the Lutheran church, during the Second World War, got heavily sucked into anti-Semitism, hating Jesus, and thereby the Nazis were on a Christian mission. And of course, we sit here in horror thinking of that today. But that's what happened. Niemöller tried to resist the temptation Finally, he was brought before the Fuhrer. Adolf Hitler himself attempted to get Niemöller to recant his support and to rejoin the Nazi party. He said he couldn't because he would have to deny the light of Christ that had come into his life. He said, I can't believe that Christ didn't come for everyone. I can't believe that the Bible is a lie. He was imprisoned. During his time in prison, he was absolutely haunted by dreams. That repetitive dream is the reason that he authored First They Came. Because in that dream... As Niemöller recounts in his biography, he said, I dreamed that I saw Hitler standing before the great white throne judgment. And Jesus asked him why he never repented and believed. And Hitler said, because no one told me about the light of the world. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling everyone, everywhere, about me. In Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Church, I, I don't want to get to heaven and see somebody ultimately judged at the great white throne judgment when that happens. And I failed to tell him about Jesus. But I told him about conservative politics. Where I told him about my stance on vaccination status. Where I got carried away in my freedoms that I have here in this country, which by the way, None of us should take for granted. But our freedoms won't save anybody. Our political bents won't save anybody. The only proclamation that can save is that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. So this Christmas... Let's proclaim the light. Let's do our best. Why? Because the other option is people will reject the light. That's what can happen. Notice it says he came, or in verse 10, to the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Do you know what would do that? Now I want you to be very careful in your theology here. Do you know why the light wouldn't shine? Because there were false lights in the world, not just the darkness. You see, if it's completely dark, then light shines very bright. Amen? But when there's competing lights, 
false lights, lights that are not the real lights, then those lights cause people to not see the darkness they're actually in. We need to be engaged in making sure that we are able to say, this is darkness. It's not right. Jesus came into the world, notice, three times. The word there is the same word that he'll use by the time he gets to chapter 3 when he's speaking to, Nic- to Nicodemus. It's the Greek word cosmos. It's the universe. It's everything. It's all of creation. The reason I believe that the world so easily rejects light right now is there's so much false light in the world. People already think they're walking in the light. Well, I'm morally good. They have their list of sins that they haven't committed. But they're bitter and mean-spirited and angry. Their hearts are filled with hate. And they're perfectly okay because their politics says they should be filled with hate. There's false light. Jesus wants to shine a light on those areas. And we need to help him do it. Stop confusing the world with false light and false hope. It is Christ alone who can save. It's not a denomination. It's not a specific kind of church. It is Christ himself that saves. Amen? And so we have to reflect that light. That's who we are as a people. We're bearers of the light. In that sense, you guys are flashlights. Right? I mean, think about it for a second. That's what you are. The light of the world has come into you. That's why I strongly encourage you, please join us on Friday. We're going to celebrate a candlelight service. If you haven't been to one before, please come out. It will become very clear to you exactly what Jesus intended. But you are to be the light as well. Jesus said, I'm going away. You now, speaking to the disciples, you guys are going to be the light of the world. The light's going to shine through you. The light's going to reflect from your life. Interesting thing about reflection, it doesn't actually produce light, does it? It simply reflects the light that already is. I chose that word carefully. We are reflectors of light. Jesus is the light, and it should be bouncing off of our character to this world. People should be able to see Jesus because through us, he reflects out of us. The righteousness I have comes from Christ. It's not mine, it's his. The life that I now live, I live for him. What's going on in my life is because of him. So I'm reflecting that light to this world. If this world owes its very existence to the light of the world, then don't you think we should tell this world about the light that created him and created them? Think about it. Because the world is going around, no, I think we created ourselves. No, aliens came and dropped an H-bomb down inside of a volcano and we all came out of that. Talk to someone who's steeped in Hinduism, they'll tell you that there are literally millions of gods. There's one God and three persons. Right? One God, three persons. There are people that believe this earth is God. They literally think dirt is God. One God, three persons, who was before there was a universe. In the distant past, beyond what we see is our physical world that we live in. God was there. We need to be careful. But what do Christians do? 
well, you know, I kind of believe in evolution. I kind of believe that we, you know, we just kind of all, you know, and, and God somehow kind of sanitized it all. That's not what the Bible declares. The Bible declares that God himself created everything. And oh, by the way, he said 100% of it was good. There was no sin. Through one man's sin, Adam, death came into this world. Try and explain the countless trillions of life forms that died before death existed. If evolution's true. There is an uncaused cause of everything else. His name is Jesus, the light of the world. He created you and he loves you. He desires to spend eternity with you and he came to this earth to prove that. I love them so much that I'm going to leave the heaven of heavens and I am going to dwell with them, verse 14 of our passage. They can't come to me, so I will go to them. You think Jesus wants the world to know about the light? He brought the light here. He literally, heaven came down as we sang today. Heaven descended from heaven to earth. He came to us. Here I am. The second of his great I am statements is, I am the light of the world. Amen? But people reject that light. Even though the world owes its very existence to Jesus, they say, well, I don't want that. It leaves us with one thing and we'll close with this. And that's the reception of that light. That's your job. Personally, it's for you to first believe and receive, and then it's for you to tell other people the same exact message. Jesus loves you. Do you believe it? Will you receive him? Notice verse 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. There's two things there, and they're essentially. You have to first believe that he is. Amen? You can't believe in something if you don't believe it is. Amen? Think about it. Why am I saying this? Because that's your mission. This Christmas, your mission is to cause people to believe and receive. Believe, receive. That's what has to happen in your life for you to be saved. It's what has to happen in their life for them to be saved. It's not by osmosis. You don't get dunked in it at church and all of a sudden you're a believer. You have to cognizantly believe that Jesus Christ, God's own son, came to this earth, died on Calvary's cross in your place, that that babe born in a manger came for you. It's not just a nice story. His name is the only name whereby men can be saved. He is the one way, the one truth, the one life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. If you haven't been bathed in the light, believed in the light, accepted the light, then you are still in darkness. You see, church, that's the real Christmas message. That light was a gift. That light was a gift. That star shining on Bethlehem that night was a gift pointing the way to the gift. It's God from heaven saying, let me show you where my son is. The shepherds, the magi, all of them, you imagine the heavenly hosts? It was a gift. As Alex said before we began the message this morning, I didn't have to do it. That's how much he loves us. That he would put his own son through that. That Jesus would relinquish 
the glories of heaven to come to this earth, to be born in a manger, a feed trough. Think about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, laying in a feed trough for you. I, I, I have no words for what that means to me personally. Can't even imagine. My creator was born in a barn so that I could inherit heaven. You think Jesus loves you? He does. If the Christmas story doesn't change the trajectory of your life, then I would suggest to you that you don't know how much God loves you. But he does love you. He has a plan for your life. And that plan is hopeful. It has a future. And that future is very, very, very bright because it will be in the light of the world. One day there'll be no darkness. And the darkness that's in this world cannot overcome the light because the light overcomes the darkness. Amen? So he who's in us being greater than he who's in this world overcomes all darkness for you, for me, for us. If you've received that gift, then Christmas time is a time to be very, very, very thankful because no matter what's underneath your tree, you already got the best gift anybody will ever get. Amen? No matter where you're living right now, I guarantee you it's probably better than a feed trough. Doesn't mean that those things don't matter. It just means in the grand scheme of things that the king of heaven loves you so much that he's shining a light on your world right now. Would you stand with me? There may be some today, there might be some in this room right now that have never said yes to the light of the world. And I want to give you the opportunity to know Jesus right now personally. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you were brought here by a friend. I don't know. But I know this. Without Christ in you, there is no hope for your future. And unless you receive him and believe in him, you're walking in darkness, no matter how light it might be around you. So I'm going to ask you right now to, to bow your heads and I'm going to pray. And I want to ask right now, if you want to receive Christ, you don't know him, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up right where you're at. And I want to pray with you. Anyone at all? You're not here. See that hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? See that hand? In the, I see those hands in the back. Be brave. Be bold. Jesus came for you. I see that hand as well. Anyone else? You want to know the King of Kings. You want to know the Lord of Lords. He died for you so that you don't have to die yourself. And you want to receive that grace gift. You want to have a Christmas like no other. I see that hand as well in the back. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray right where you're at. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Those of you that raised your hands, I want you to just simply follow me. Very simple prayer. You've got to believe it, though. It can't come from me. It has to come from you. Church, would you pray with us as these invite Christ into their life? Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe you're the only Savior. I've been trying to do things my own way, and I realize that I can't. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life right now and to forgive my sin and to save my soul. 
please write my name in your marvelous Lamb's Book of Life. I'm giving you my life and asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to live my life for you the rest of my days. Lord, I believe that you died in my place and that one day because you were raised, I will also be raised. I commit my life to you. Please, Lord, receive me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. There were people all over the sanctuary. So after service, I'm going to invite you to go right over there to the prayer room. Just say, hey, I just invited Christ into my life. If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We're going to help you get on your way. We're going to give you some resources just so you know where to go next what to do from here on out. Um, You just got the best Christmas gift you'll ever get. Amen. You're watching online, you can text 888-777-6897 and we'll send you that same information. Make sure you have a Bible if you're watching online. For the rest of us, let's tell the world about the light of the world. Amen. Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord, we thank you. You are the light, and we want to be bright lights for you this Christmas season. Send us out with joy and lead us with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.